1: We're so glad you're tuning in today. Let's get to the show. Hey there, thanks for joining us today. In today's episode, we have something extra special for you. Earlier this year, we were interviewed about classroom management by Sarah on the Stellar Teacher Podcast. We had such a great
0: time chatting with her that we wanted to share the whole episode with you here on the Teacher Approved Podcast. We think you will love this episode. Enjoy!
2: Hi, Emily and Heidi. Welcome to the show. Let me just say I'm so excited to have you guys. You guys are my first like double podcast <laughs> guests. We're excited to be your
0: first. Yes. <laughs> Very honored.
2: Well, thank you so much for coming. In case my audience is not familiar with you, can you guys go ahead and just give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, share a little bit about the backstory of the second story window and your teacher approved podcast.
0: So, we are second story window. We are two sisters, and we started out as teachers, teaching both teaching second grade at neighboring schools. And then Emily was moving to a different state, and we knew we really enjoyed working together. And so we wanted to find a way to continue that partnership. And so we launched Second Story Window, creating products for teachers that we were making for our own classrooms. And it's just kind of grown from there. And we started our podcast. So we're just stepping into that. I love it. And I was going to say, I'm glad that you guys are in like
2: the podcasting space now. I I love my podcast. I think it's like one of my favorite things that I've done like to support teachers. So I hope you guys are enjoying it just as much. And so fun that you guys were like teachers together. I started off as a second grade teacher and my mom's a teacher, but like nobody else in my family, like my siblings or cousins or anybody. And I'm like, oh, it would have been so fun to have like a, a teacher bestie who's also in my family. So you guys are so lucky. <laughs> It was amazing because I didn't have a lot of team support at my first school and so
1: she was sort of like my 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 team member even though she wasn't at the same school she really helped me
2: get through that. That's awesome. And are you guys are you guys in the classroom now or are you guys both out of the classroom
0: supporting teachers full time? We are out of the classroom at this moment. We taught preschool together for several years up into the pandemic. And then obviously that required some shifting. And so we put a pin in our preschool plans. Oh, that was a tongue twister. And we don't have real set plans going forward, but at the moment we're just focusing on helping teachers right now. I love it. Kali, teaching preschool, that
2: is like, I never went any lower than first grade. And I always think like, if you are a preschool teacher or a kindergarten teacher, there's like a special place in heaven for you because <laughs> it, that requires a level of patience that so many people don't have. So. oh, I think
0: first grade <laughs> would be way harder than preschool. So props to you. Well, yes. I was going to
2: say, it's always so funny too. There's just like, there's certain grades or levels that people just like gravitate towards. And you know, like some people love the older kids. Some people love the younger kids. So It works out great that there's enough space in education for everyone. Yes. <laughs> and truly, I do think second grade is the actual best grade ever. (laughs) I started as a second grade teacher. I loved it. And then one year, my principal, like literally in October, he was like, I need you to teach fourth grade in like two weeks. And I was like, (gasps) what? And I was not excited about that move. But you know, it's kind of like when your principal's like, hey, you need to move. Like I didn't really have an option, but I I ended up like falling in love with the big kids and like found my sort of like Forever home in fourth grade. But I do have that like soft spot for second grade too (laughs)
1: because they're such a fun age. Yes, they really are. But fourth graders could do a lot of cool stuff that second graders
2: can't do. Absolutely. Okay. So we are going to talk all about classroom management today, which I am super excited about. I mostly talk about literacy and reading on my podcast. But I know like, I mean, there's so many things that teachers want and need support and encouragement with. And I know classroom management is such an important topic so I'm super excited that y'all are willing to come on and just share some of your classroom management, you know, tips and experiences with my audience. And I know this is something that you guys talk about on your podcast. And I'm always a little bit curious because I I at least for me, I think back to like my first year teaching and I was like the epitome of like a hot mess express teacher, like <laughs> kids throwing chairs, books, like it was. It was not a managed classroom. And I obviously grew a lot in that area, but I'm curious, like if y'all could share a little bit about your own personal experience with classroom management and how it became to be like something that you guys want to support and encourage teachers with.
0: Well, I think, I don't know. I think every first year teacher just kind of has that, like, what is happening moment. <laughs> yes. I'm like They didn't prepare me for this. <laughs> and I definitely had that. Like the first year I was just like, Okay. None of this is working. I don't, and then you don't know what to do. Yeah. And there were some, you know, some well-meaning teachers at my school, but none of them were like super great at being helpful. (laughs) So after that first year, I did what I had to do because I was old enough that I was teaching in the early 2000s and the option was to find books. Yes, right. Like it's not like I could turn to podcasts (laughs) or (laughs) teacher blogs, or take a course. Yeah, those those didn't exist. (laughs) So I just started reading books. And one thing that I realized early on was that I needed to find resources that aligned with my philosophy of how a classroom should run. And I hadn't really taken that time to figure out, like, what works for what. What do I think a classroom should be like? You know. So I think, you know, that was kind of key in identifying my philosophy of, you know, we're protecting the dignity of the child and creating a space where learning is possible. Like that is what the ultimate goal of classroom management is, is to facilitate the ability to teach and for kids to learn. And so kind of just trying to refine that over the years and then all the years of just, you know, putting it into practice. And like, <laughs> that doesn't work with this class. I need something new. You know, it's just trial and error because you
2: have new kids every year. I love that. And I I mean, even thinking about like back to my first year, I was like, I don't know if I thought about like my own philosophy. I've thought about my philosophy on teaching for sure. And especially with things like literacy and, you know, what I, you know, like that type of stuff, but like actually thinking about like, what is is your personal belief on how your classroom should be run? I feel like that is such an important question for teachers to consider. And I bet most teachers don't ever pause to think about like, does their classroom management plan align with like how they believe their class should be managed and what they want that space to look like? So I love that you had that like epiphany early on (laughs) in your career. Clearly you benefited from it. And then all the teachers that you, you know, connect with and support as well. Okay, before we get too far into the conversation, could y'all just to sort of like put us all on the same page, because I feel like classroom management is like one of those, like it's a big category. (laughs) So can you kind of just explain like, what does that, what does that term classroom management mean? And like sort of give a little bit of background as to why it is so essential for the success of any classroom for a teacher to like focus on classroom management.
0: So I think the default with class management is to assume that it equals behavior management. But that it really isn't the full picture. Class management also includes behavior management. That's definitely part of it, but it's such a broader umbrella. So class management, the way we think about it, it includes things like your routines, your procedures, your transitions. It includes how you want your students to relate to you and how you want them to relate to each other. And, you know, as teachers, we have all gone into education, I'm gonna assume all of us, because we wanna help children learn. And Really, it is the classroom management piece that makes learning and teaching possible. We have to have a space where any of that can happen. And that is what classroom management allows us to have.
2: Yeah, it's, I think we tend to focus on like the behavior side of it so often. But like there are so many of these other elements and aspects that need just as much of our time and attention if we want to create that space where it's like, okay, we want students to learn. So it's not just about the behavior. It's about the routines and the expectations and communication and all of that stuff as well when I'm doing these interviews, I always like put myself in the perspective of like the teacher listening. But like, I know for me, when I like was teaching, I felt like I would give a lot of like time and attention to like classroom management at the start of the year. You know, it's like, okay, what are the expectations that we're going to communicate? What are the routines we're going to practice? And like the year would always start off great. And then like, it would sort of go downhill a little bit. And, you know, here we are like in the middle of February And I know for a lot of teachers, this is the time of year where it's like classroom management starts to feel like hard and heavy. And even if they had like really great expectations and routines and behavior was great at the start of the year, I feel like for whatever reason, like the middle of the year comes and like things just start to fall apart. Like, why is it that classroom management can feel and be so much more challenging in the middle of the school year than when it was at the start of the year?
1: Yeah, that is such a good question because I think we've all been there in that midpoint of the year of, oh dear, how did I get here? (laughs) And the thing is, it's because everyone's gotten so comfortable. That's a good thing that our class has just gotten so used to each other that we've gotten a little lax about the expectations that we set at the beginning of the year and the students have gotten lax on meeting those expectations. And so it just gets a little hard to know how to sharpen it up when you're when you're in such a comfortable place. And so it can feel like we're already so far into the year. I, I have to just ride this wave out until the end of the year because it's too far into the year to make changes now. But that is the mistake that we make to think, I can't change it now. You absolutely can course correct mid-year and you will reap so many benefits through the rest of the year. If you just take some time in the middle of the year when you notice that things have gotten off course and get it back where you want it to be. And things will go so much more smoothly the rest of the year. And you won't spend the rest of the year going, Hey, that's not what we do with our pencils, <laughs> you know, because you'll get everybody back on track and you'll save yourself a lot of time and effort. If you just
2: pause and intentionally put in some time mid-year when you see the problems happening. I I love that. Cause I think so often if teachers are like my classroom management is falling apart. They can view that as like almost like I'm failing as a teacher, or like that's a bad thing. But I love just that perspective shift of like, you know what? Actually, this just means that your class is comfortable. Like that's not a bad thing, but that also doesn't mean that we should just forget about all of our management and you know, coast until the end of the year. Right. And for me, I knew that like, okay, the whole idea of like you gotta slow down before you can speed up. And I think that can be like hard for teachers where it's like, okay, we're in the middle of the year. We still have a couple months to go yet. But at the same time, I know like if we slow down and like correct some of these behaviors or expectations, like it's going to allow us to like just be more effective and efficient. But I feel like that's such a hard mindset shift to make. I don't know if you guys have any like tips for the teachers and like the mindset side of things where it's like, no, like take the time to actually work through some of these things before you just like, you know, ignore them. Because I think the easy thing is to ignore them. The hard thing is, is to like fix it. So I don't know if you have any like tips to like help the teacher make that mental shift.
1: Well, I would say you're taking a little bit of time now to save a lot of time later because all the times that you have to stop and correct them and get them back doing the things the way that you asked them to do originally, the the way you taught them to do it originally, all of those little moments, they add up to quite a lot of time and a lot of interruptions to your school day. And so if you look at it more of an investment of time to save a lot of time long term, I think that helps a little. And something we talk about a lot on our podcast is giving a gift to your future self. Mm. I love future self. Yes, (laughs) Yes, we're nicer to our future self sometimes. So right now, do something right now that's going to help that future you have an easier school day by taking some time now to get things back where they need to be. I love
0: that. I also think you are so tired in the middle of winter. Like you're just tired. So that's part of the reason that like we start to let behavior slide and things get maybe a little out of control, but it takes so much more energy to like have to just play whack-a-mole. And I mean that in a very (laughs) nonviolent sense of children (laughs) with behavior problems. Like I got to deal with that. 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 Like that is going to drain you even faster. But if you just be like, okay, we're having this problem with the coats, or homework not getting turned in, or, you know, fights at recess, whatever it is, if you just, like, take 20 minutes and you just kind of, like, put in some energy there to shift the course, you've eliminated one of your biggest energy and time suckers right there. Like, so again, that's that sense of, like, your future self is going to have more energy for things like all of the test prep that has to come up and, like, managing all of the end of year stuff that's starting to creep in, even though it's winter, you know, all of that. It's going to take plenty of energy. You need to save it where you can. I think that's such a good perspective too. Just the whole like, they're both hard, right? Like
2: correcting classroom behaviors are hard in the middle of the year and like pausing and taking the time to like make those shifts. But like, it's just as equally hard and draining to like constantly manage the small behaviors that are wrong. So it's like, choose your heart. But like one heart is going to have a better, (laughs) one heart is going to have a better return and outcome on your time than the other one. So I feel like that's just such a good reminder. It's like, yeah, changing behavior in classroom management in the middle of the year is hard, but so is constantly reminding your students, you know, 100 million times to like do the things that you've told them not to do like all year long. Exactly. Yeah. Such a good reminder. Okay. You guys, when we were talking about this podcast, you guys had shared five guiding questions that teachers can ask themselves to really help them troubleshoot any tricky classroom management area. Can you guys share those with my audience? Because I just thought they were such a good sort of like framework to think through. How can you sort of like, you know, course correct these classroom management issues you might be experiencing in the middle of the year?
1: Yeah. How about I will share each question and then Heidi can expound on it however she wants Love to. Love that
2: plan. <laughs> we
1: figured out these questions ourselves when we were trying to think, what what does a teacher need to do to fix things up? When they see the problem, what are the steps they should take? And so we tried to really break it down. Into almost like a flow chart of yes or no for each question. So the first question is, do I have a clear vision of what should be happening with this procedure or transition or routine or or whatever other thing you're having issues with? Am I clear on
0: that? So that maybe seems trivial because like, well, of course I know. But sometimes we have an idea of how we think things should go when. We're maybe in the planning stages, like early in the school year or before school even starts. Like, okay, this is how we're going to handle coming in from lunch. And then in practice, it's just not working out the way we had envisioned it working out. So that's, that's a signal right there where we need to stop and be like, okay, here's what is happening. What do I want to see happening? What should be happening? Because if you are not clear on those steps, your kids cannot be clear. You, you know, if you don't have that vision, there's no way your kids can figure it out. So you have to make sure that you are clear on exactly what you want to see happening in this moment. And then once you have a clear vision, you can use that to help you adjust your procedures. And maybe that's all you needed to fix the problem was just to get clear on your vision. And then you could explain that to your kids.
2: I think it's so funny because I feel like every classroom management plan is like perfect on paper, (laughs) right? Like when you write it out, you're like, this is beautiful. Like we're going to have a great year. And then like the kids show up and you're like, what was I thinking? Like, this is not, this is not working, you know? the reality of it is, is like, you can have an idea in your head, but until you see it. And so it's like, yeah, we're in the middle of the year, what you thought was going to work, maybe isn't working. So like, now that you know your space, know your students, like create that vision. So yeah, I feel like that's such a good starting point. Just like, make sure you know that you're really crystal clear on like how this is going to work before you like communicate it to your students.
0: Hey there, teacher friend. Do you have a question or concern that could use a teacher-proof solution? We'd love to help you out by answering your question here on
1: the podcast. You can submit your questions to hello at secondstorywindow.net and put podcast question in your subject line. can't wait to hear what's on your mind. And then after that, once you're clear on that, If you're still having problems, then you need to think, okay, did I introduce this procedure properly at the beginning of the year or whenever you introduced it?
0: So we like to use a three-step method to teach any procedure or routine, anything where the kids need to follow steps. And our three steps are tell, try, and tally. I think teachers naturally do a form of this probably anytime they introduce procedures. So we start with tell, which is we lay out exactly what we want to see happen, we model it. We walk through it. We might have some student volunteers come up. We really belabor the point because we want it very clear. I think you reach a point where you're like, mm, I shouldn't have to tell kids how to li- stand in line at the drinking fountain. like, Or I shouldn't have to tell kids to put the lids on the glue stick. But you absolutely do. If you are having problems, you have to address it, even if you shouldn't have to. I was gonna say, I
2: remember when I moved from second grade to fourth grade and the things that I assumed fourth graders either knew how to do or just (laughs) would do. You know, like, like you said, like putting the cap on the glue stick, putting the cap on the marker, like pushing their chair in when they got up from their desk. I mean, all these little things. I'm like, am I really having to like communicate that? But it's like, yes, I am. So let me. Over, over communicate, which sometimes I feel like I do that with adults just because I'm like the teacher. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I totally do that with adults.
2: Yeah. These are not my students. Like I can just, you know, bullet points or just really be clear. Like I don't, I'm not introducing a classroom management studio, but it's, I feel like the teacher in me just doesn't ever want to go away.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so after you've told your steps, the next thing is to have your students try. And so, you know, you walk through as a class, you have them walk through it. You address any like hiccups that are rising, point out things that are going well. Like that's so powerful to be like, oh, did you notice this? And this was great. So you're doing all of this. You're just kind of like acting like a sportscaster in the most boring game ever of like, oh, notice how he walked over there. So, you know, (laughs) so that's our try. And then we have the last step of tally, which means you have your students evaluate. How did it go? Okay. These were going to be our steps for... You know, packing up at the end of the day. How well did you follow that? You know, give me a thumbs up if you remembered to stack your chair or whatever. But the thing about tally is like, this is your ongoing process. This is going to stretch all year. So if, you know, you're packing up at the end of the day and the chairs aren't stacked, like you need to, you've tallied the situation and you have evaluated that this didn't go well. So we're going to, hey guys, hey guys, check out the chairs. What's going on here? How can we do this better? So tally, we tally in the moment and then we're going to just keep track all year. correct as needed. I love that. I'm a sucker for like an acronym or a
2: process or anything. <laughs> so, I love that like the 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 3 T's, the the tell, the try and the tally. I think that's super smart. And then after that, if you're still having problems, you're like, "Okay,
1: I know we went through that whole thing really well together, but what's the problem here? Maybe the problem is that you didn't practice enough." So, you need to ask yourself, "Did we practice this enough?"
0: And maybe that's just where you need to get in there of having the kids try it again, we're going to walk through all those steps again. This is particularly true if it's a routine that has multiple steps. So like coming in in the morning and packing up at the day, I think are maybe two of the biggest ones, maybe going to lunch. Those just have so many pieces and they also have pieces that need to happen when the teacher is most likely distracted. Like you have stuff you're trying to do in the mornings. You have stuff you're trying to get taken care of at the end of the day. You know, you're trying to get all the lunch stuff coordinated. So if the kids are having to do multiple procedures as part of a larger routine, you might need to practice this more than you think you should have to practice it. Kind of like going back to this whole, like, we're in the middle of the year, like, do we really have to
2: practice how to line up for lunch? But it's like, if your students are giving you like signs and signals that they have forgotten or they're just not doing it correctly, then it's like, yeah, the the data and everything is indicating that you do need to practice it, you know, more than you think you do. And I always think it's like, you know, we have this idea going back to the whole, like, do we have a clear vision of like what we want this to look like? Like we have a clear vision of what we want our routines and expectations and procedures to look like, but like our students aren't inside our head. They can't see what this whole process looks like, or, you know, they don't even always understand like why we need to have a procedure for certain things. Like they don't understand, you know, the whole, like why we need to maintain order and all of that stuff. Cause they're just looking at things through like their singular solo student lens. And so I think. We have to have them practice it so much because like it needs to become routine and automatic because they're not the ones that's dreaming up the routine. So like until it is automatic for them, like they just need to practice again and again and again, even in February. (laughs) Yes, Yes, even in February. (laughs) So if you've answered all those questions and you're like, okay, yes, yes,
1: yes, we've done all of this. Then this question is very likely the one that is the problem, which is, am I holding them accountable? Oh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we all feel a little bit convicted by that one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just, you know, because sometimes the teacher, we are the weakest link. Yes. <laughs> and of course, it's it's understandable. There is just so much going on. I had a, I remember one of my professors say something like, when you're teaching, like you're just doing the things on the outside, you look like, okay, we're doing da-da-da-da. But on the inside, your brain is on fire. And that is just all day long. You're keeping track of what 25 people are doing now and what they need to be doing in two minutes, you know? So there's just so many things going on that it is tempting to just, we're going to just start letting little things slide. I don't want to have to address, we'll deal with that later, da, da, da. Well, that, you know, starts to snowball and then we've got real problems on our hands. So we have to hold ourselves accountable for holding our students accountable and This is the hardest part. We're not gonna lie. Like this is the hardest part.
2: Well, especially because like I was that teacher that at the start of the year, like we are following routines and procedures to a T. And then it's like, you know, as the year goes on and kind of like what you were saying, Emily, where it's like, Oh yeah, we're really comfortable with each other now. And you know, especially if we like we're getting into our lessons, it's like, oh shoot, we're like late for lunch. Like we don't have time to do the routine. Or it's like, we're late for dismissal. We don't have time to like do things correctly because we just gotta like get to where we're going. I feel like I was always the worst at like holding myself accountable so that way I could hold my students accountable.
0: Exactly. It's definitely the trickiest part, especially if you've reached a point where like a few minor issues have become bad habits or just the norm in the classroom. And if that's the case, you're going to need some kind of like heavy-duty intervention, and we call it shock and awe. <laughs> well, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is that you need to disrupt the pattern of behavior. You need something big enough that's going to help kids have a wake-up call about what is happening, what needs to stop happening, and what they need to start doing. So I think of like like if you're having issues with the – we had a drinking fountain in our classroom. I don't know how standard that is in every classroom. And some kids, kids would just, like, there'd be issues with the drinking fountain. They'd be putting things in the drinking fountain or, like, putting their mouths on it, or whatever it is. Like, they're, if I'm having problems with the drinking fountain, maybe the kids come the next day and there's a sign from the, quote, unquote, health department that has shut down the <laughs> drinking fountain, right? And then the kids will be like, hey, what's going on there? And then you have your opportunity to address the issues. Here's what I see happening. No more, my friends. And then you can implement your tell, try, and tally and set up your new procedure or review the steps to the procedure they've already learned and how to course correct that
1: and commit to holding them accountable this time if maybe you've slipped on holding them accountable in the past
0: well i
2: can see it's like if the accountability is the thing that's you know preventing the classroom management routine or expectation from working then it's like you have to you have to hold yourself accountable this next time because otherwise you're just going to get back to the same place right like if you as the teacher aren't changing your behaviors then like your classroom's behaviors aren't actually going to change as well
1: Right. So then if you're at this point, you're like, look, I am doing all these things and I am being so consistent about holding them accountable. Why is this procedure not working? Is it just like, good luck for the end of the year. <laughs> is, is there anything that they can do? <laughs> well, the last question is maybe do I need to reevaluate this procedure? So maybe the problem is actually the procedure itself.
0: So if we reach that point, right, Maybe, maybe it's not the people involved. Maybe it is the procedure itself. Maybe... Like we had the plan at the beginning of the year and then it is just not acting the way it needs to in the reality, in the thick of day-to-day school life. So maybe your procedure needs to be tweaked. Maybe instead of having every kid go pick up a whiteboard, you assign five kids to pass them out to the whole class. Or maybe you need to like line up outside a different door before you come in from recess. You know, really looking at, is this procedure serving my students the way that I need it to? And then you can adjust from there. Well, and
2: I think too, there, and I was guilty of this again, it's like when you've been in the classroom and you've taught for so long, you can sometimes get in the bad habit of like, well, this is how I've always done it. Like this has always been my end of day routine. This has always been my morning routine. Like it's worked every other year. You know, but it's just like, just because you've always done a routine a certain way doesn't mean that like, that's the best way or the only way or the way that your students are going to like benefit from the most. So I I do love that like evaluation question where it's like, okay, especially if you're doing everything right and you've gone through like the rest of these questions, it might just be time to like put a a new procedure in place.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Even though it's hard to do it, you feel like, (laughs) no, this was a great procedure, but if it's not serving your goals, you need a better one that will actually make your life easier. And it might've been a great procedure for
0: a season and we're just entering yes. a new season now. Yes. Yeah, you've got new kids in the winter yeah. than you had in the fall. Like oh, they've changed. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> well, I I love these questions
2: and I just feel like these are such a helpful tool for teachers to just like look at, look at the behavior management that's going on in their classroom or look at their systems, look at their routines, the expectations and just really sort of like go through, you know, because like you were saying, it's like you don't always have to start over from scratch with a new routine if it's just you need more practice or you need to like clarify the expectations. So I hopefully... Hopefully teachers are feeling a little empowered that it's like, okay, we don't have to revamp everything. You just might need to practice some more, clarify some more, make sure that your vision is set. But I am curious, you know, if there is a teacher who's listening to this podcast and they're like, shoot, my morning routine is messed up. My end of day routine is messed up. Like (laughs) we're not holding students accountable for, you know, a lot of things. And they're just realizing that there are multiple parts of their classroom management structure that need to be refined, what tips do you have for teachers that feel like they've got multiple areas of their instructional day that they need to work on? Well, we actually do
1: have a free resource to help teachers with this, oh, where we break down every possible routine and procedure you probably need to do in a day. We're just really good at getting into the minutiae of things. And so <laughs> that's what we did with procedures. So we got into every single question you need to ask yourself to decide what your procedure should look like. And that's a free resource that we can send the link to you to share with your listeners. And that's a good place to start if you're really feeling like I'm going to need to do a big reset here. And then you just might need to commit to guess what? We're going to take a week and for however much time of your day, you're going to commit to just working on those routines and procedures and locking them up so that they're working the way you need them to. Again, I know that feels so hard to do when you're like, I have a million things to do, but it will pay off. It will pay off. And you just have to remind yourself that you are giving yourself a gift that will pay off. And come next month, you'll be so glad you just took the time and
2: did it now before it got any worse. Yeah. The you in March and April will be glad that you like focused on these things now. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing that freebie. We will definitely link to that in the show notes. And as we get ready to wrap up this episode, do you guys have any favorite like classroom management hacks or
0: tips, just like quick little things that you could share with my audience? I think our favorite hack, if you can call it that, what we come back to a lot is prevent problems before they happen, right? Like you don't have to manage behaviors if they don't arise in the first place. So we talk a lot about like how to streamline your procedures to prevent the issues from arising in the first place, how to set up your classroom to help minimize behavior so that you can just save yourself the hassle of dealing with the effect if the problem never rises in the first place. I love it. Who needs a classroom management hack if you have
2: no problems? That's awesome. Right. Right. (laughs) That's the goal. Well, I love all of these things. I also love to give my let my audience get a chance to get to know my guests on more of a personal level. So I've got a couple sort of rapid fire questions for y'all if you're up for it. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd love to know from each of you, what do you guys just love most about working in the field of education?
1: I feel like I just really loved having my own classroom and getting in there and just creating the environment that I wanted to have for those students and maybe the environment I wish I had had at times as a student there was just something magical to me of setting up my classroom for the year. And I'm not even talking about the decor. I'm talking about the feeling and the vibe and the, and the way we're going to do things in the year. I just felt like that was such an exciting, an exciting part of being a teacher was designing a, an amazing space for your class to be in, you know, and creating that
0: classroom vibe. That's awesome. What about you, Heidi? Well, I agree with Emily. I love that sense of just taking like these little strangers and now we're, we're making a whole community together. But as our experience in the education field has shifted maybe a little bit where we don't have our own direct students, I had not realized how passionate I was about helping teachers. Like I had no idea that this was something that (laughs) was in me even, but I love it so much. Like I'm not directly teaching these students, but I'm hopefully helping impact them in positive ways. In maybe a larger reach than I could have had just with my own class. The goal is that we are helping lots of teachers elevate their procedure to make their jobs just a little bit easier and a little bit more effective so they can love their jobs even more. I love that. And I
2: I totally resonate with that. I mean, that's why I've always sort of like any any move I've made in my career has always been like, okay, where can I have the biggest impact? I became a teacher because I love the idea of working with kids. But like now that I support teachers full-time, I'm like, wait a minute, this, this is such a great opportunity in space because I'm still impacting students, but on a much greater scale. Yeah. Okay. What is y'all's favorite book, movie, or TV show that you have consumed in the past year?
0: I think the book that I have loved most this last year was The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. It wasn't something I would have normally picked up. And I listened to it and it was so good. Like, I don't know the last time I have finished a book and then immediately started it again. I just loved it so much. Okay. I've not heard that title, but I'm like an avid reader. So I am for sure going to add that to like my Goodreads list and I'll check it out. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of different. It's like a book of essays, but also Amazon reviews. And it's also like John Green's memoir. If you know Fault in Our Stars, he's the author of that. So all just kind of rolled together and it was so thoughtful and insightful and vulnerable. I loved it. It's so good. You have to tell me what you think. For sure. Emily, what about you? So actually, the book that I
1: loved the most this year, my favorite of everything I've read this year is What the Wind Knows by Amy Harmon. It's a fiction book, and it involves some accidental time travel, which is Heidi's greatest fear. So- it is
0: my greatest irrational fear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so if that's also your fear, just know that. But it just uh, – I don't even know how to describe it. I, I went into it thinking, I don't know if I'm going to like this, and I absolutely
2: just loved that book. So if you like a good period fiction, fantastic. I have not heard of either of these, so I'm super excited to have some two new titles. And then last question, what is one place that y'all want to travel to in the next 10 years? Heidi used to travel all the time. And then it's lately
0: not much travel at all. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> When she becomes self-employed, it's harder to like, you don't give Step vacation away. days. Yeah. yeah, Uh-huh. absolutely. I think one place I would really love to go visit within the next 10 years, I'd love to go back to Belgium I went there about 10 years ago, and I just fell in love, and I just got a little taste of it, figurative and literally. <laughs> they sell waffles and fries on the street. Like, I mean, what I kind of place here. is this? <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> so I would just love to go back and get to dig into more of that country.
1: And I would really like to go to Scotland. Our grandmother, our almost 98 year old grandmother <laughs> is from Scotland and I have never been. Heidi's been, but I haven't. And I just would really like to be able to go there and see, see where she was raised
2: and where some of our culture and family history comes from. I love that. That's awesome. Well, y'all will have to take those trips soon and then let us know how they are so we can, you know, maybe add those to our own bucket list. Yes. <laughs> well, this was great. Such a helpful conversation. I seriously am so grateful that you guys are willing to come on and share these great classroom management tips with my audience. I really appreciate you guys coming on today. Thanks for having us. Thank
0: you. This has been wonderful. We
1: hope you enjoyed this episode of Teacher Approved. I'm Heidi, and I'm Emily. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe
0: in your podcast apps so that you never miss an episode. You can connect with us and other teachers in the Teacher Approved Facebook group. We'll see you here next week. Bye for now. Bye.